0: Well, we're excited to join together and begin this new series called Mission. And uh, it is an exciting time for us as a church as God uh, leads us forward to accomplish the mission that He has given us. Our mission uh, is literally uh, world-changing, and God has given us this opportunity. Uh, Yesterday, July 20th, 1969, uh, 400,000 people watched on as the mission that they were part of came to fruition. On July 20, 1969, 400,000 people had worked tirelessly around the clock, uh, hour by hour, for several years in order to fulfill a simple mission. It was simple to say, John F. Kennedy said in 1962, that man... Uh, was going to walk on the moon, that the United States was going to send somebody to the moon, and we were going to walk on the moon. That happened in 1962. And from that point forward, almost a half a million people worked full-time to accomplish that vision. Finally, July 20th, 1969, uh, the United States of America celebrated as uh, man... Walked on the moon. It was one small step for a man, but it was a giant step for mankind. And that is something that captured the hearts and the imagination of generations. We all celebrated. What a wonderful! I, I was two. I'm sure I celebrated too. Yes, I was two years old in 1969. That makes some of you feel like I'm very old. And some of you feel like I'm very young. Isn't that good? Uh, but in, in, we all celebrate it and celebrate even still uh, that great mission being fulfilled. Today we begin to examine uh, a greater mission than walking on the moon. And we begin to, se- we begin to examine this mission that, that God has given the church where he has mobilized literally millions of people over 2,000 years to accomplish a mission. And that mission is described in Matthew 28. Uh, Jesus, before he ascends to the right hand of the throne of God, he gathers his disciples with him and he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, as you go, make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them To observe all that I've taught you, and behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He said that church, our mission, is to make disciples of all nations. That's our mission. And that mission, the what of that mission, uh, is what we're going to be looking at. But really today, over the past week, God kind of changed my heart on what I was going to share with you today. And instead of Matthew 28, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 15. In Luke chapter 15, we see not just the what of mission, but the why. We see the very heart of our mission described in the heart of the Father. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32 is a story that Jesus told in response to people that were complaining about how he did stuff. In in Luke chapter 15 verse 1 and 2 we see that Jesus um, was ministering and it says in verse 1 that tax collectors and sinners came near Jesus uh, to hear him. So here are a group of people, tax collectors and sinners, and even though uh, in today's culture we think tax collector and sinner, what's the big deal about that? Well, in the Jewish culture of that time, to be a tax collector means that you're a traitor to Judaism, you're a traitor to God, you're a traitor to all people because you are a Roman tax collector. You were uh, taking money from Jewish people. For Rome. And so you were a traitor among traitors. All right. So, so a tax collector, that was a big slur. That was a big slur. Um, Not only were they tax collectors, but they were sinners. And a sinner um, was someone like you and me, uh, just someone who rebelled against God, someone who was uh, not considered part of the synagogue system, uh, not someone who went to temple for worship. Not someone who was uh, acceptable in the sight of the religious people. Uh, again, people like you and me. Uh, by the way, that, that is you and me. Uh, that's not some distant people out there that uh, aren't, aren't doing life right. No, that's, that's you and me. Uh, if we were to take a blank screen and we're able to print the sins we've done or thought of just this past week on the screen it would become very apparent that each and every one of us are sinners. So instead of us sitting in our sanctimonious holiness in a little huddle of people who think we've got it all together, let's just be honest. We are all sinners and in need of God's rescuing love. All right, so, so uh, that's 15.1. That's now, 15.2 is where the religious people respond, okay? In, in Luke 15, verse 2, it says, the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Okay, can you imagine? Oh, the horror of it all. This Jesus, who claims to be a religious man, who claims to be a teacher, who is followed as a holy man, this, this guy literally hangs out with sinners. And the religious people just were gasping at the idea. They were horrified by the thought. But Jesus wasn't because that was the mission of Jesus. You see, Jesus came on a mission not, uh, as, he, as he has already said to the religious people already. He said, I didn't come to make a bunch of people who thought they were already in good standing. I didn't come to make you well. I came to the sinners. I came to be a physician to them. I came to heal their soul." In Luke chapter 19, we see Jesus hanging out with a sinner named Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector and a sinner. And he threw the best parties in Jericho that none of the religious people were invited to. And even if they were invited, they wouldn't come. And he took money from people and he robbed from them and he was wealthy. But when he heard that Jesus was coming through the streets of Jericho, he wanted to come near Jesus because he had this inkling that maybe Jesus could give him a satisfied life that was missing in spite of his mansion, in spite of his wealth, in spite of all that he had achieved. He was looking for belonging and community and acceptance. He was longing to know that God loved him. And so he went to see Jesus, and Jesus stopped under the sycamore tree because Zacchaeus was diminutive in stature. I like that. I like short men, by the way. I'm one of them. Anyway, so he, he, he climbed over the sycamore tree to see Jesus. Jesus walked by, and literally, Jesus stopped under the tree. God stopped Z- Jesus under the tree. He looked up at Zacchaeus and said, hey, Zacchaeus, come down from there because you and I are going to hang out today. I'm going to go to your house, and we're going to talk, and we're going to eat, and, and maybe, just maybe, you'll find what you're looking for. And Jesus then explained to the religious people who complained then in Luke 19, why did Jesus spend the day with this tax collector named Zacchaeus? And Jesus said, the Son of Man, talking about Himself. the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Aren't you glad? Because that's you and me. Bubba, that's, that's who we are. We are the lost who need to be found. In Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is uh, just got, came to the shore uh, off the Sea of Galilee. He got out of the boat, and he's walking up, and there's a tax table. And, and what would happen is people would come, and they would come to the tax table, and any fish that they caught, they had to pay taxes on the fish that they caught. So they come up to the tax table. Jesus looks, and there's a guy named Levi. We know him as Matthew. And, and Matthew is sitting there, and he's a tax collector. And Jesus goes straight up to him, doesn't give him any money, just says, hey, follow me. And immediately, the hard heart of Matthew was melted by the love and the grace of a loving God, and he got up, and he left his possessions, and he left his livelihood, and he left his vocation, and he left everything behind, and he began to follow Jesus. And Jesus so transformed the heart and the life of Matthew that we see in Matthew chapter 9, Matthew saying, hey, listen, to all his friends, I want you to meet This guy, I'm throwing a party today, and the special guest, his name is Jesus. And by the way, do you know who Matthew's friends were? Tax collectors and sinners. The unrespectable sinners. And he threw a big party. You know what Jesus did? Jesus didn't say, oh, I'm sorry, I can't come to that party because you're drinking beer. He didn't say, oh, no, I'm sorry, I can't can't come to that party because, you know, y'all don't go to church. And Jesus went to the party, and lives were changed. And the religious people just didn't get it. They didn't understand it. That's why Jesus told the story in response to the complaints of the religious people. He told three stories, three parables. The first parable, uh, first story, was about a shepherd who had a 100 sheep, And one sheep gets lost, and the shepherd leaves the 90 and 9. you got to say 90 and 9 if you know southern gospel music. He leaves the 90 and 9, and he goes after the one lost sheep until he finds the one lost sheep. And then he brings the one lost sheep back home, and he throws a big party, and he celebrates because the one sheep that was lost has been found. And everybody needs to rejoice about that. In fact, all of heaven... Jesus said, rejoice over one sinner that repents than over the 99 people who don't think they need repentance. All of heaven rejoices over the one. The next story he told was a story of a widow or a lady who had 10 coins, and she loses one. And so she goes to a deep dive clean of her house and she sweeps the floor like a, a, a wife expecting a mother-in-law. She gets to that kind of deep clean and she's looking for the one lost coin and she turns her house upside down to find the one lost coin. And when she finds it, she throws a party and she invites the neighbor and say, come let's celebrate because the coin that's lost has now been found. And Jesus said, and heaven rejoices with great rejoicing. Over one sinner who repents, than over all the just people who don't think they need repentance. And then he tells the story of the prodigal son. And it's in this story of the prodigal son that's really more than just a story about a wayward kid who disrespects his home and his father, it's really the story of the father. Who loves and yearns for his kid to come home. And it's a picture of the heart of God. And this is the message that we need to embrace today. You see, the reason, the reason we do what we do as followers of Jesus, the reason we do what we do as the church the reason we're always looking outside of who's gathered here and learning and living and hoping and praying and working on how to get people who literally might even curse this gathering, how can we help them find life in Christ? The reason we do that is because that's the heart of God, and the heart of God is the heart of our mission. And God mobilized Jesus on a mission. And that mission, that mission was to rescue those who were hostile toward God. Do you get that? Aren't you glad? Because, by the way, you were one of those cats. You and I, we were one of those those individuals that were hostile toward God. You might say, well, I've been in church all my life. So? What does that have to do with anything? Being in church all your life doesn't change your sinfulness inside of a holy God. It doesn't do a bit of good to make you right in God's sight. All it can do is open your eyes to see the need of a Savior. That's all, that's all going to church. You say, I pray all the time. Oh, really? Well, that's nice. I watch TV all the time. Hallmark Christmas movies, already out. Yes. But I need more than just words that I bounce off a ceiling or a television that I watch. I need a relationship with God that I can't have because my sin, your sin, has separated us from a holy God. It's not religion that's going to get us there, and it's not doing religious stuff that's going to get us there. We are all sinners, all of us, in need of rescue and the beautiful heart of a loving father is that, yeah, you're a prodigal, but, man, I'm chasing after you. Yeah, you're a sinner, but, man, I am urgent to provide forgiveness for your sin. You see, the mission that Jesus was on that reveals the heart of the Father is a mission that that is sent to rescue. Remember, he said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. That's you and me. Just before Jesus is arrested on the night that he was betrayed... He's going to the Garden of Gethsemane where the arrest is going to happen. And on his way, as he walks through the Kidron Valley uh, up to the uh, 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 Garden of Gethsemane and the uh, Mount of Olives, Jesus is praying, and, and we overhear his prayer in John chapter 17. But that prayer shows us the mission of Jesus that, that marks the heart of the Father. Listen to his prayer. John 17, verse 1. He says, Father, he's talking to his Father. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son might also glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given to him. And this is eternal life. That they might know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I've glorified you on the earth. I've finished the work you've given me to do. What was the work? What was the work that God gave the son to do? It was to give eternal life to give eternal life to those who were separated from god by their sin and jesus said this is my mission not just to take care of all these people that are part of the family and aren't you glad he does that too but the mission of the church is not to sit in our sanctimonious holy huddle and feel good about ourselves the mission of the church is the same as the mission of jesus which is a reflection of the heart of the father that is to find every person separated from God by sin and show them the pathway to a rescued life. That's our job. That's, that's what gathers us together and garners our courage as we embark upon an everyday kind of life. When we go to work, when we're hanging out with our friends, when we're at our school, what gives us us, uh, passion is the heart of God and his love for sinners. So this comes out in the story of the prodigal son. And, and, And you can read the story of the prodigal son. It takes shape like this. The prodigal son is the story of a young man. There are two boys in a house. The younger of the two um, is in search of a a pot of gold at, at the end of an elusive rainbow. He he is in his dad's home, but he just doesn't think that's good enough. So he goes to his dad and he says, Dad, I want you to give me my inheritance. Now, this was insulting, uh, to say the least. It was really treating his father as if his father were already dead because the inheritance did not go to the son, especially the younger son, until the father was dying or was dead. That's when the youngest son is is due his inheritance. But he goes and he demands the inheritance. And the father gives him the inheritance, which is about a third of the father's possessions. He gives a third to the son. And and the scripture says that that the son then takes all that he's got and he goes away. And he goes to Vegas or Atlantic City or pick your poison. and, And he begins to spend his money on prodigal living until he has spent every dime. At that point, God allows a famine to hit the land. Now, I've got to tell you, this is a beautiful picture of what God does by his grace. Sometimes, especially for sinners um, stuck in our own hard-hearted rebellion, God allows difficult days to hit us in order to get our eyes toward home, toward him. A famine hit the land, and... and uh, Uh, The son couldn't find any way, this rebellious prodigal son couldn't find any way to make a living. So he finally finds a guy who will take him on, and he begins to act as a servant or a slave to this guy. Uh, And insult of all insults, this young Jewish boy had to take care of a herd of pigs. And you know Jewish culture at that time, and Jewish practice, you didn't have anything to do with pigs at all. Zero, uh, a herd of pigs was uh, good for a, a legion of demons. That's what Jesus did. He cast them into a uh, cast a legion of demons into a herd of pigs. But here, here this boy is, and the only way he can uh, sustain himself is to take care of a herd of pigs. And it gets so bad that he, as he is feeding slop to the pigs. Have any of y'all fed slop to pigs? It's not fun work. I've done it. It's not fun work, and it it smells really, really nice and awesome. You remember, just get in your mind's eye the grossest thing you can think of in a pail, and that's pig slop. I mean, that's all the leftovers and worse, all right? So it's pig slop in a pail. And so the the boy has hit bottom so hard that he's sticking his hand in the pail and saying, this is the only way I'm going to eat. So it's not just taking care of pigs, but now it's eating pig slop. He hit bottom. Now, listen to the rest of the story. Verse 17. I love this picture. Verse 17. And when the young man came to himself. Can I tell you what that is? Man, that's the story of me when i uh trying to, trying to be all religious and everything, check all the boxes of being a good kid and, and still coming up empty on the inside. I finally, one Sunday night, came to myself. It was God opening my eyes and drawing me to repentance and that's what's happening to this young man. He had been wasting all of his life and all of his father's livelihood, treated his dad with absolute disrespect as if his dad were dead, wasted all his money on prodigal living, which is a nice way of saying all kinds of crazy kind of life. And then he came to himself. And he said, self How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Now, he came to himself. There was a transformation. He began to look to the father for his fulfillment. He began to look to the Father to satisfy his soul. He came to himself, and he said, I'm going to go, and I'm going to beg my dad's mercy, not to be a son, just to be a slave in his home. And he got up, and he began to walk. Now, that is the picture that every person here who is a follower of Jesus, that is a picture of the journey that you and I have taken. Stuck in our sin, we come to ourselves and we say, I need to repent I need to place my faith in Jesus. I need, to rec- I need to come home to the Father and find the forgiving love that only He can offer. He's my only hope. And we start making our way to the Father. Now, some of you are here, and perhaps you have never experienced that kind of coming-to-yourself moment. And, can, and, and maybe, maybe you have a hesitation because you say, Well, Eric, you don't know how bad I've been. Well, it doesn't matter. Can I tell it doesn't matter. Oh, you don't know what I've done. I got to tell you, it doesn't matter. Eric, I've been so bad. I've done so many bad things. If you only knew what I did last night, it doesn't matter. Because the Father's arms are wide open just for you. And when you come to him, he comes running for you. Now look at the rest of the story. Verse 20. He arose and he came to his father, but when, uh, when the son was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. And he ran and he fell on his son's neck and he kissed him. And the son said, and began his spiel, began his, uh, you know, begging for mercy. He said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, no longer to worthy to be called your son. And the father interrupts him, verse 22. And the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe. And put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and let's kill it. Let's eat and let's have a party. For this my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and now he is found. And they began to have a party. The father embraces the son. Not because the son had done anything worthy of the acceptance or welcome of the father but because that's what the Father's heart demanded. That's what God's love does. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that the Father looked upon you, a sinner, and said, I'm going to forgive him. I'm going to forgive her. Oh, God, if you only knew I've sinned against heaven and against you in your sight. Yes, you have, Eric. But come here, big boy. Let me put my robe on you. Let me put my ring on you. Let me put sandals on your feet. Let's have a party. You were dead, but now you're alive. You were lost, but now you're found. Let's celebrate. That's what God's heart does. And you think of the worst person in your office. I mean the worst. The one that talks the worst and acts the worst and does the worst things that you can imagine. Can I tell you? that the father's acceptance of that guy or gal will be just as extravagant as the father in the story for the prodigal son Why? because that is the heart of God. God longs to forgive and to rescue sinners. That is why Jesus came Jesus didn't come to give us a good teaching about how to do life. He did give us that, but that's not why he came. He didn't come to, uh, to, to, to set a new moral compass for our, uh, for our American culture. I mean, maybe he did it, but that's not why he came. Jesus came to change our lives from the inside out through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. He came to forgive us, to wipe the slate clean, to put around us the royal robes of his righteousness so that we are fit for the family of God. He came to give us life. And that is for the worst of us. And it's for the religious of us. It's for the meanest of us. I pointed up in the balcony because there's some mean people up there. <laughs> I'm pointing at Volvo right now because there's some mean people out there. Just kidding. But That's for all of us. That's for me. Black-hearted, wicked man that I am. Jesus came to rescue me on a mission from the Father. And he's given us that mission. What we're going to look at next week is John 20. And Jesus said, hey, listen, the Father sent me. Now I'm going to send you. That's you and me. This is our mission. The heart of the mission of First Norfolk. The reason we do Volvo location and other uh, 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 campuses, the reason we, the reason we do uh, uh, church planting in, in, in northern Virginia and, and Canada and uh, Malawi, and, and the reason we embrace unreached people groups in Vietnam, the reason we do medical clinics, uh, the reason we do all these things is because God has given us a mission. And when our heart beats in tune... With the heart of God, we will pursue this mission, which is the rescue of sinners. So what do we do? What do we do with this this story of the prodigal son? How, How do we respond to this story of the prodigal son? The first thing I want to encourage you, if you're here today and you have not yet experienced the family of God, if you you have not yet experienced the forgiveness of sin through faith in Jesus on a cross, who died for you on a cross and was raised from the dead to give you new life, then I want to invite you today, if this is your come-to-yourself moment, I invite you today to come home to the Father, to rise and make your way to the Father through repentance and faith, repenting your sin. That's what coming to yourself is all about. It's saying, I can't get what I need on my own. I need God and what he has given through Jesus Christ's death on the cross as payment for my sin in my place, his resurrection from the dead to give me new love. I need Jesus to forgive my sin and to give me a fresh start. I can't do this anymore. God in his grace, perhaps even now, is opening your eyes He's, he's, he's opening your heart. He's giving you the faith that you need right now to, to come to yourself and say, Yes, I need Jesus. And if that's you, I beg you, come home to the Father. And He'll come running to you. And He'll pick you up in His arms. And He'll lavish His love on you. And He'll change you from the inside out. He'll take away the emptiness. And he will satisfy you completely. Come home to the Father. And for those of you, most of us probably in the room who are followers of Jesus, what do we do with the story of the prodigal son? Well, we need to help those who are far from God find new life in Christ. This is our mission. The core value of our church is transformed lives, it's one of the core values transformed lives, helping those who are far from God find new life in Christ. Again, this is, this is what moves us each day. It's not making sure y'all are happy. I want you to be happy. I really do. I, I don't like it when you're not happy because I get emails and phone calls and text messages. I, I don't, it's not that I want you to be unhappy. It's just that my day doesn't begin thinking, how can I make you happy? As pastor, my day begins thinking, how can I help First Baptist Church fulfill the mission that God has given us? How can we help those who are far from God find new life in Jesus Christ? You've got to be part of that journey turn to the person to your right, to your left, whether on Kimsville campus or Volvo location, turn to the person to your right and to your left, say, I have a mission. The mission that God has given you, and you must choose to accept it, is to help those who are far from God find new life in Christ? Who is that one person that God has put in your path that He would have you be an instrument to help them see their need for Jesus? Maybe it's a person you just need to invite to your life group. or maybe it's a person you need to invite to hear, gather with us and worship to hear the good news of God's rescuing love. Maybe maybe it's walking across the cul-de-sac or across the hall or across the room and having a a conversation that eventually leads to spiritual things maybe it's finally going to that person that you've had friend you've been friends with them for some time and it's finally going to them saying listen we've talked about a lot of things but it's time for me to tell you about the only thing that really matters in my life and that's Jesus Christ can i share with you how god can change your life. It's it's helping those who are far from God find life in Christ. Again, it's why we do what we do. Another way that you can help, and this is going to be next week. Next week, um, we are going as a church to commission Kurt and Ethel Breeland um, at all of our worship gatherings. We're going to commission them because... uh, they're going to leave July 31st, and they're going to Southeast Asia where they are planting their lives for three months on mission from First Norfolk as part of our church uh, to help um, with the church planting movement that, that we see there in Southeast Asia that we've been a part of with our unreached people group in Southeast Asia. Uh, they're going to pour out their lives uh, making disciples of all people for three months. And we're going to commission them so you can pray for them, but, but also we're going to take a special offering next week and give you an opportunity in, a, in an extravagant way, extravagant for you, in an extravagant way to participate financially in the mission that God has given them. We as a church, we're supporting them in, in, in the sense that, that they're on staff. You know, Kurt's on staff. He is our minister of missions. But, but we need to do more than that. Uh, we, need to, we need to be extravagant and help them focus on doing the work of the ministry and helping those far from God find new life in Christ. So you can, next week, begin uh, supporting them in that way. So... Come, to the, come home to the Father and help those who are far from God find new life in Christ. The third thing that we see in this story and that we need to apply to our lives is we need to celebrate new life. I, I, I hope you got to pick up a little bit uh, that one of the themes in all three of these stories that Jesus told was celebration. It was joy. Uh, Jesus talked about dancing. Dancing. I mean, you got to love that, right? Celebration. Why? Because the one who was lost is now found. The one who is dead now lives. You know, we as a church, we, we make it our business to celebrate new life. And we celebrate new life through a lot of different ways, but primarily in our church through believer's baptism. You realize believer's baptism is that declaration moment where you who have come to yourself, who've crossed that line of faith, become a follower of Jesus, who've experienced new life, new birth uh, through faith in Christ, believer's baptism is that moment where you declare publicly through the ordinance of baptism, you declare publicly, I am on God's team. And we celebrate Believer's Baptism each week. But one of the highlights of my year is beach baptism. On August the 18th, we're having beach baptism. At 4 o'clock at Little Island down in Sandbridge, we reserve uh, uh, pavilions 1 and 2. And we're going to get there at 4, and, and uh, we're going to go down, hundreds of us go down to the beach. And, 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 and maybe you. Maybe it's time for you to follow Lord in believers' baptism. And we go out into the ocean, and and we're close to the pier. The people on the pier stop, and they look. uh, People around on the beach, they kind of give us room because we're an army of hundreds of people, and, and we baptize 30 and 40 and 50 and maybe even 60 people. And we celebrate together the new life that you have in Christ. And we don't kill a fatted cat, but we have Pollard's chicken. <laughs> and it's a great time of celebration. Friends, this, this is not just a, a side note. This is a celebration point. This is who we are. And maybe it's time for you to celebrate new life with us. Maybe it's time for you to be baptized as a believer. Today, God shows us his heart for sinners that propels us on a mission of rescue for sinners. And I invite you to join us on that mission. I ask everybody to bow your heads and let's take a moment to pray Lord God, in these moments, as we extend an invitation or a time of response, I pray that you would prepare our hearts to say yes to you in this moment. I pray that you would help us, especially those whom you are drawing to yourself right now, that you would give them the courage and the faith to respond to you and say yes to you in these next few moments. Lord God, there are people here who are far from you and they know it. And they desperately need the forgiveness and new life that you offer through faith in Christ. I pray that they would come to themselves right now, that you would draw them to yourself and they would come home to you, God our Father. Now it's in the name of Jesus we pray. As you continue to bow your heads, close your eyes, I just want to extend an invitation. First, if you are a follower of Jesus in these next few moments, maybe the call on your life is to come to this altar and pray for that person, that one that God has put in your life that desperately needs to come home to the Father. Maybe pray right where you are or pray here at the altar. And maybe it's a prayer of commitment. Yes, Lord, <clears throat> I will give myself wholeheartedly <clears throat> to help those who are far from you find life in Christ. But there are some people, maybe it's just one, maybe it's just one person here. But there are some here who are like the prodigal. You're far from God and you need to find life through faith in Him. And And over these last few moments, you have come to yourself and you long to come home to the Father, to find the forgiving love that He offers, the warm embrace that His grace provides, forgiveness for sin, new life through faith in Christ. And that is your heart's desire to come home to the Father. His arms are wide open and ready to receive. Will you come home to Him today? In a moment, we're going to begin this time of response and going to be a season of singing. The lights will be dim. If you are here today and you need to embrace Christ as Lord and Savior, I invite you to stand where you are and come forward to where one of the ministers will be here at the front. And like the person at the uh, earlier worship gathering accepted Christ as Lord and Savior and said, I want to celebrate through believer's baptism, maybe that's who you are as well. Will you do it today? Will you do it now? Now, Father, may you be glorified as we respond to you in obedience. And as you call us to yourself, may we say yes to you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.